That was good. Thank you. Um, how many were here last night? I know some of you were. Okay. So for those of you who were here last night, you remember at the very end, we did a practicing the presence of God or practicing intimacy thing where we just prayed without talking <laughs> for a few minutes and just sat in the presence of God. Remember that? And now we sort of did a similar thing here at the end of worship. Okay? So for those of you who were here last night and experienced both, talk to me about that. Were they different? Was one easier than the other? What do you think? There's no right answers. I'm actually mining you for information. About the same for you? Okay. Second one was easier. Any thought as to why? It does for a lot of people. And so your, your, your experience of it being a little easier just now when we did it is pretty common. And I have found that for me, and I've done this for a long time, so I've gotten more used to it, because the more you practice something, the better you get, right? And which is going to be true for you too. And there will be a few less distractions the more you do it and the more you practice this. Um, initially, there's just nothing but distractions sometimes. Um, but I have found that for me, if I'm having a really distracted day or a really busy day or something like that, and I want to spend a few minutes with God, it really helps to listen to a little bit of a worship song first. So I'll, you know, stick my earphones in, put on Everbe or, or, or a song, and sometimes it's just for a minute or two, but just to sort of help me dial in, to tune in to the right frequency of spending time with God, and that really helps me to do that. Even, I, I don't usually listen to a whole song even. I'll just listen to it a little bit. Just helps me to dial in, um, and then I'll pause it, and then I'll you know spend my time with God. Um, and I find that that helps, and you may find that that helps too. Uh, maybe you already have found that, um, but I would really encourage you guys to continue to do that. Uh, studying is great. Prayer, prophecy, uh, intercession, all those things that you do in your relationship with God are great, and you should keep doing them. But last night we talked about adding something to the mix which was spending a little bit of time, like three or four minutes, um, preferably several times throughout the day, and spend that time with God just for the sake of being with God. No agenda, no talking. You just sit with him in his presence. Um, and I, that's pretty powerful. It's how we practice intimacy, and it's how sheep learn to hear the voice of their shepherd. They just hang out with their shepherd all the time, and they learn how to hear his voice. And so if we do this, if we can practice the presence of God, practice intimacy just for a couple minutes, just a few times a day, okay? And that's, don't, do not hear that as a legalism thing or great, another thing I have to do or I'm not a good Christian. No, 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 none of that, okay? But this will really help you get closer to God, like period. It'll help you get closer to God. If you do that for a month, you're going to feel closer to God. You're going to he hear God speak to you more than you ever have and more clearly. You're going to experience the presence of God stronger and throughout your whole day. The gifts of the Spirit are probably going to awaken. You may experience more victory over sin. There's so many things 
that we experience when we spend more time in intimacy with God, just spending time with God. The problem is, as Americans, you can still listen, Carl. Um, as Americans, I don't know how it is there, but we don't like silence at all. We are phobic of any silence. We have to fill it. We have to fill it with words. We have to fill it with a book. We have to fill it with music. We have to fill it with something. We can't do nothing, ever, in this country. And the younger generations are worse, right? Um, and so many times in the Bible, it says, be still and know that I am God. In the quiet place, I speak to you. Things like that. We need to actually practice that. And we have to make an effort to it because it's not going to happen naturally. <laughs> so we have to carve out two or three minutes. That's not a long time. Two, three, maybe four minutes, a few times a day, just to sit with God and just breathe. Just be his kid. Be his friend, his lover, his servant. Be his worshiper. And just spend a little bit of time in the presence of God a few times a day. And it will change your life. I promise. Okay. So how to hear God's voice better besides simply spending more time with him, which is the number one thing. Spending more time with God is the easiest way to learn how to hear his voice better. Um, how many of you, actually just open your Bible, Matthew 4.4. 4. Matthew 4.4. 4. 4, 4. This is probably a familiar verse. Matthew 4, 4 says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So it's talking about hearing God speak to us, right? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Um, people often will join this up with uh, the Lord's Prayer that says, give us this day our daily bread, because it sounds like a similar theme. Give us this day our daily bread. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God, right? And so I do think those verses come together. Um, most of the time we hear this taught that the meaning of this is that we should, we should read our Bible every day. That's how I always heard it. This means we should read our Bible every day. Because man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Um, that's not what it's saying here in this passage. Reading your Bible every day is wonderful. Please do it. Um, but that's not what it's saying. This is a quote from Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. You can stick your thumb here and flip back if you wish. Deuteronomy 8.3, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, chapter 8. This is God speaking to his people Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai. And this is what Jesus is quoting in Matthew. Verse 3, and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So this is what Jesus is quoting. Um, he, Jesus could not be saying, read your Bible every day, because the Bible hadn't been written yet, when Deuteronomy 8.3 took place. Right? Duh. Duh. <laughs> the Bible hadn't been written yet. Jesus did not mean, read your Bible every day, because they would be like, Read your what? what do you, I don't understand what you're saying. They're, what? Plus, we can't read. Um, 
So that, that's a common evangelical explanation of the verse, but that's not what it's saying. So what is it saying? Anybody want to give it a stab? Yes, that's right. So God provides manna. He provides it every single day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's basically it. He's saying he's comparing manna that comes from heaven, physical food, which we require to live, right? We need to eat to live. Preferably, eat, we need to eat every day, right? Or else what happens? We die. We get sick, that sort of thing, right? Je Jesus is saying, quoting himself <laughs> from Deuteronomy 8, and, and saying, look, God said, just as I gave you manna from heaven to feed your physical bodies every day, so the word that comes from my mouth sustains you spiritually in the same exact way. Does that make sense? And in fact, what he says here is, I gave you manna so that you would know. The whole reason God chose to feed them by manna was this, so that they would learn and understand that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God could have fed him any way he wants, right? He could have had deer wander into the camp every day. Yay, venison, right? He could have done anything. He could have rocks turned into bread. God's creative. He could do anything he wants, right? But instead, he gave them something that fell from heaven to earth every single morning. And if you tried to keep it to the next day, it was no good. You had to come every day to get your bread. You had to come to God every day to live. And he did that for the Israelites so that they would understand that they have to come to him every day to live. Does that make sense? So just as bread nourishes our physical bodies, so the word of God, everything it literally says, all that comes from the mouth of God. That's how we live. The Bible says in him we live and move and have our being. Our very being comes out of God. God spoke the universe, bang, into being, right? God spoke land, pops up out of the water. God spoke deer and other animals, right? Including spiders. Why? I don't know. Um, so that same word, that same word that God speaks, he now speaks to us every day. And see the word picture here. This is, um, a, it's a present tense verb. Every word that comes, present tense, it means is coming. Everything that is coming from the mouth of God. See the word picture there, right from his mouth. It in, in the Greek version, it literally means everything that's falling from God's lips. That's the idiom that it's saying. We don't live by bread alone. We live by, we, we're waiting with bated breath for everything that falls from his lips. That's the picture in the Greek especially. And so that is how God wants us to be. He wants us to wait upon his word every day. Uh, in, in Greek, the term word there is rhema. There's two Greek terms for word that we translate as word. One is logos, which refers to the written word, often referenced to scripture, referenced to Jesus himself. Um, every time scripture is referenced in the, in the scripture, <laughs> it uses the term logos. Okay? And the other word is rhema. Rhema is the now word of God, the word that he is literally speaking now. Logos was written down at some time in the past, usually, right? That's the typical definition. Rhema is the now word of God, what God is saying to you right now. And in Matthew 4, 4, it's the now word of God, the rhema word of God. Obviously, it's not the scripture because they, had, they didn't have one. We already talked about it. So it's the now word of God. Our life is sustained 
in the spirit by what God is saying now. What he's saying right now. That is important. All right, pause, questions, thoughts on that. Anybody? Totally good, totally made sense. That'd be okay, I'd be fine if you all got it. <laughs> no complaints. But if you, anybody have any questions on that? I, I, I grew up hearing that that meant that we were supposed to read our Bible every day. Um, which was a word of legalism, uh, which is not good. Now, is reading your Bible good? Yes, Sunday school class. Of course reading your Bible is good. Should we read it every day? Yeah. Do you have to or God will hate you? No, don't be dumb. Right? Okay, so God will give us his rhema word every day, a now word to us. We ask him, give us this day our daily bread. Last night we talked about how bread is a metaphor for the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, the revelatory presence. In the Old Testament, the bread of the presence. Here, manna literally was given for the purpose of teaching people to rely on God to speak to them to sustain their life. All right, everybody with me? Um, so, I lost my train of thought. I'm humbling myself right now by admitting I don't remember. Mom, where was I? Yeah, yeah. Right, so the Bible is, what, is where I was getting back to. The Bible is awesome. Do, do, not, do not hear me say you shouldn't read your Bible, okay? Because God will give you a word every day. He wants to give you something new every day. He wants to give you your daily bread. And oftentimes, he uses the Bible to do it, okay? How many of you have been reading the Bible at some point in your life? Maybe it's a passage you've read a lot. You know, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, whoa. What? What is, wow, is that true? Is that, my, is that for me? How many of you have experienced something like that? That is the Holy Spirit speaking to you from his mouth right now. That is a rhema word of God. That is daily bread for you. He's just using the scripture to do it. He does that a lot because he remembers what he said. And it's good stuff. Right? Hello? He's not, we might talk about this later, but he's not going to say something that contradicts what he already said. Right? Because he, he's not a double-minded person. Right? He's not schizophrenic. You know, people suffer with that. And if you do, let's pray for you. Right? But God does not. He knows exactly what he said. And he's going to remember that. He's not going to say anything different. And so oftentimes, especially for us who come from an evangelical background, we're used to reading the Bible a lot, which is great. And because of that, we have these scriptures in our head. We know where the stuff is in the Bible. And so the Holy Spirit will often bring us right there to the Bible to show us something. And my favorite thing is when it's a passage you've read, like, hundred times, and then you read it again, and you're like, how have I never seen this? How have I never got that part, that specific thing that's so obvious and so cool and so personal for me right now? Isn't that awesome how God does that? So that is the Spirit of God speaking to you. And so sometimes people are like, uh, God never speaks to me, and it's like, has that ever happened? Well, sure. Well, then the Holy Spirit spoke to you. That was the rhema word of God to you, specifically for you, using Scripture. Everybody with me? Okay. So that is wonderful. The rhema word of God, his now word, daily bread. That is what he is after because he is a God of the now. 
God is a God of now. He's also a God of the past. He's also a God of the future. But he's primarily your God today. This minute, he wants to be your God. Does that, that make sense? One of the most common mistakes we make, I think, uh, when asking God things and talking to God is that we ask him the wrong questions. Okay? Now, if we ask God questions that he doesn't want to answer, he probably won't answer them. Right? And so, and what happens when you ask God stuff and he doesn't answer you? God, why aren't you answering? Do you not hear me? Is there something wrong? Do you not like me? People think all sorts of crazy things, right? Paul talked about this on Monday. When God isn't speaking to them, people start thinking all sorts of crazy stuff, which is not true, okay? That's not true things. Oftentimes, we're asking God questions that he does not want to answer because it would be bad for us if he did. He's a loving father. He knows a little more than you, at least, okay? At least give him that because he knows everything, so he definitely knows more than we do, right? And so we ask him a question, especially a question about the distant future, and we want him to answer that. And God's like, no, I am the God of now. I want you to talk to me about now. This is what I want to speak to you about. I want to speak to you about right now, okay? But we don't do that. We ask questions about five years from now. We ask questions about two years from now. We say, God, who am I supposed to marry? God, what is my career? God, what's my ultimate destiny in life? God, should I move? God, God. We ask God all these huge, big picture questions. And it's not wrong to ask God those things, but you gotta know, God doesn't usually give you direct answers for things that are way in the future. Because that's not how he do, okay? He is a God of now. Most of what he says to you is gonna be about now. Okay, another way to put that. Uh, say we're on a path, right? In the Bible, it says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, right? Not a floodlight all the way down to the very end of the road. And there's a difference. God's word, what he says to us, lights the way for the, what's at our feet, the next step. The next step is where God speaks to us. A step after that. We might see dimly that, that third step, but, but it's the next step, okay? God is concerned about getting you from step one. Let's, where, wherever you are now, let's call it step one, okay? You're at step one. God is primarily concerned about getting you to step two, right? And then, where? Step three, because that's how it works. We're back here going, God, 87, step 87 is so important. I got to know. I got to know where I'm going to die. I can't handle it anymore. I got to know about step 87. Exactly. He's like, um, what? Because why? If we don't get to step two, step 87 is irrelevant, right? He needs us to walk with him step by step. Pause. What happens when we make mistakes? What happens when we screw up? What happens when instead of going to step two, we go to step Q, which isn't even a number? What happens? Are we off the path to our destiny? Never to be fulfilled again? Out of the love and will of God? Screwed for all eternity? No. I talk to young people, especially all the time, who are like, I made a wrong move, I took a, long, a wrong step, and now I'm out. Now I can't fulfill what it is God wants me to fulfill. Now I can't get to where it is God wants me to get. And that is a lie from the devil and not the truth of God. Everybody hearing me? 
I think this is a word for at least one person in the room, okay? God is a redeemer. It's who he is. It's how he does it. And so if you end up on step Q, he can get you back to step two. It might take a couple extra steps to turn around and get to step two, but he'll get you there. Okay? Everybody with me? He will get you there if you walk with him. If you take his hand back again, if you repent, which just means to turn. In Hebrew, repent means to turn around. So if you get distracted and you end up over here, you just got to turn back to Jesus. Take his hand, and he's going to get you back to where you need to be. Okay? So do not hear words of condemnation when you screw up, when you take a wrong step, when you end up on a different path. God will get you back to the path. He will get you back to the destiny that he wants for you because that's how he does it. He is a redeemer. He can't help it but want to redeem you. He loves to do that. All we have to do is turn back to Jesus, hold on to his hand. It's an act of humility and of faith. Right? So don't listen to the lies of the devil. If that's you or if there's any little thing that pricks you about what I just said, pray about that or come get all right? Okay. Sort of. And he will never hold the past against us, Carl. Amen. You know why? Because he can't remember it. For real. God chooses to forget our sin. As far as the east is from the west. In his sovereign godlike ability, he has the ability that I wish I had, which is to forget what other people have done. We can't forgive and forget as humans. God can, because he's God. It's awesome. All the sins that ended up on the cross, God forgets them. He literally tosses them away as far as the east is from the west, which is how far we live on a ball. It's infinite. Right? God doesn't remember your sin. God doesn't remember your screw-ups. When he sees you, he does not see what you did wrong. He does not see how you messed up. He does not see... Oh, I'm really not there. I'm really not on the path. I'm really not what I'm supposed to be doing. He doesn't see that at all. He looks at you and he's like, what are you talking about? You are beautiful. You look like Jesus. You are holy and blameless and loved. You have every spiritual gift in the heavenly place. What are you even talking about? Come on, let's go. Let's go do the stuff. And we're like, oh, I'm too terrible. Acting as if we need to earn it all. When Jesus paid for it all like 2,000 years ago. Super long time, right? Okay. Not the sermon. Maybe that was for somebody too. So we are concerned about step 87, way down the path. Who am I going to marry? What's my career? What's my ultimate destiny in life? What people, group am I supposed to minister to? Whatever that is, right? God is saying, that's wonderful. I'm glad you have all those desires. But guess what? We need to get you to step two first. And then we need to get you to step three. And then we need to get you to step four. And eventually, 87 will happen. It will. It's a trust issue. We walk hand in hand with God and we will get there. The reason we often don't hear what he's saying to us is because we're asking questions about the distant future and God doesn't usually want to answer those questions. Sometimes he will. Sometimes he'll give you a word about something that's far away, but those are pretty rare. You probably only get a few of them in your life. And usually those words are for the purpose of building something up in you over a long period of time. The first time God talked to me about revival was 20 years ago, like to the month, almost to the day, I but it was uh, June of 1995. And God said, I'm going to do a massive revival in the Twin Cities, and I want you to be one of the leaders, and it's going to be incredible. And I said, you want to do a what? Because I didn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> but that word grew in me for the last 20 years. I studied revival. I studied the Bible 
to see what is the anointing of God all about? What, what, what is this? What are you talking about? How can I get to where you want me to be? It changed, that word changed me, even though it wasn't a word for today, it was a word for the future. Okay? But he wanted, it was a seed that needed to grow into something else and it needed time. Paul heard six months ago, some of us need a lot longer to get ready than others. That, that is just a fact. Okay. So God wants to talk to you about today. If you're not hearing the voice of God as much as you want, it's maybe because you're asking the wrong questions. So we want to ask the right questions. We want to ask him questions about today. Does everybody get that? Does that make sense? Okay. So we're going to do an exercise now. Uh, can we get pa paper? Paper and pens. I'm going to explain what we're going to do, and then we're going to do it. Um, the more we learn how to ask God the right questions, the more we're going to get better at hearing what he's saying. Okay? Obvious. And the right questions are often things about now. Um, last night, we talked about how in these five different relationships that we have with God going on all the time, this one is kind of businessy in nature, so we're looking mostly for information. We're hearing orders and we're carrying them out. The other four are primarily relational, right? They're for the purpose of intimacy. And so most of what God says to us is about our relationship with him. Most of what he says is about us, for us, and not information for us to do. And a lot of his communication is nonverbal. Because the more intimate of a relationship you have with someone, the closer you are with someone, the more nonverbal communication is important, right? That's what we talked about last night. And so a lot of what God says to you is going to be for now. He is a God of the now. A lot of it will be about your relationship with him. Some of it might be master-servant. Some of it might be prophetic, which is just hearing God speak for somebody else. Um, but he's going to primarily speak to you about now. And so we need to get used to asking God questions about now, about the present, about this week, this month. The season of life that we're in now, as opposed to asking God, God, where do you want me to be way down the road? Because if we hold on to Jesus' hand and walk with him, we will always end up where Jesus is. Everybody gets a piece of paper and a writing utensil. Does that make sense? If we hold on to Jesus' hand, we will always be where he is. And so we're, we don't have to worry at any given time about whether or not we're in the will of God, because if we're holding on to his hand, we're where he is. That's all we need to do. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you about 10 different questions to ask God. 10 different prayers, 10 different questions. We're going to go one at a time. And what I want you to do is write, write it down. I'm going to give you just a short question. Write down the question. And then write down whatever pops into your head. This is a take your thinking caps off exercise. The first two parts are no thinking caps allowed. Okay? For example, uh, this is not one of the questions, but um, let's say the question is, God, should I have a bite to eat when I get home today? That's not one of the questions, okay? Um, now, you ask God that, you write it, you write it down, because that's a question I ask you to say, God, should I have something to eat when I get home? And now I want you to write down whatever comes into your head, but I don't want you to say, yes, well, I really shouldn't, I'm trying to lose weight for this thing. So I guess I should say no, but maybe I should, protein before bed's good for you. So don't think about it, okay? Do not think about it. Do not analyze it. Do not judge it at all at this point. This is an unfiltered, allow God to speak to your mind thing. Everybody with me? So just try it. The more intellectual you are, the harder this first part is going to be because writing something down unfiltered is like 
akin to evil, right? Um, but it's not evil because we're going to edit it later. Okay? Most of us are in the process of having our minds renewed, right? The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Most of us are still in that process. We have the mind of Christ in heaven, but we're still getting it on earth. Does that make sense? So a lot of what you write down is going to be total bunk, right? Because, like, I didn't have dinner. I'm starving. That's why I came up with the should I have something to eat when I come home question. I'm hungry. So, like, I, you know, I'm, that's tainting what I'm writing down. Plus, I'm a white guy in the 21st century in the Midwest. That taints what I write down. I have very specific calling and vision. That taints what I write down. I have very specific theological ideas and positions. That taints what I write down. Everybody with me? There are a whole lot of filters in your brain that you might not even know are there. Tons and tons of filters. And a word of God comes in, and in order to get to our consciousness, it has to go through all those filters, which means a lot of them never make it. And those that do are sometimes twisted a little, warped a little. I've heard people give words that I'm like, it was really great, right up to the part where you punched it with legalism at the end and condemnation, because that is not the spirit of God. But the beginning was great, so good job. Just be aware of the fact that you have a condemnation thing, and let me pray for that, because that's not good for you. Okay, um, does everybody hear what I'm saying? We're trying to do it unfiltered as much as possible. Don't, don't worry about it, no condemnation. This is the first time you're trying this. And so I'm gonna give you uh, something to say, or something to write down. Write down whatever comes into your head. We're gonna take a minute for each one, give or take. Write down whatever comes into your head. If you're not sure if you should write it down, you should write it down because you're already thinking about it in your head, right? Write it down. Everybody got me? This is no thinking caps. I know it's a little scary, but we can handle it. All right. I'm going to open up in a short prayer just to kind of center us, and then we're going to go at these questions. Father, I pray that you would speak to us now as you promised you would. We thank you that your sheep hear your voice. We thank you that we are going to hear you speak to us right now. We are going to learn how to listen to you, how to hear you speak, and then how to judge and look and filter what it is that you've said or we think you've said in order to be able to properly pray about it and analyze it. So, Lord, thank you that you speak. We open up our minds to you now. We take off our thinking caps for just a second. We press pause on all those filters, and we ask you to speak. All right, so the first one. Write down the questions because we'll need them for later. Father, is there anyone I need to forgive? You can skip the Father because they all start with that if you want. But is there anyone I need to forgive? Write down anybody that pops into your head. Overthink it. Don't strive for it. If you don't write anything down, that is okay. If you write down a thousand things and you really don't think most of them are real, that's great too. We'll deal with that in a minute. Okay? Write down anything that pops into your head. Even the guy who just sold me my caribou. If that pops into your head, write it down. Think about it later. Write it down. Okay? 
Next one. What wounds on my heart do you want to heal? What wounds on my heart do you want to heal? Questions are up on the screen. Next one. Who would you like me to invest time in this week? Who would you like me to invest time into this week? One. What are you trying to teach me in this season of my life? What are you trying to teach me in this season of my life? How do you want me to spend my times with you this week? How do you want me to spend my times with you this week? Next one. How do you want to bless me tonight? How do you want to bless me tonight? What spiritual gifts do you want me to eagerly desire right now? What spiritual gifts do you want me to eagerly desire right now?
next one. Which of these five aspects of my relationship with you are you wanting to relate to me in right now? Which of these five aspects of my relationship with you are you wanting to relate to me in right now? Next, what ministry opportunities are you putting in my path right now? What ministry opportunities are you putting in my path right now? Try not to think about it too much. Just write down whatever comes into your head. questions do you want me to be asking you these days? What questions do you want me to be asking you these days? Last one, is there anything else that you want to say to me right now? Is there anything else that you want to say to me right now? Don't think about it, just write it down. hard for people, especially the first time you do it, especially people who are a little more intellectual. It's hard to turn off your, th your thinker. It's also just plain hard to try to listen unfiltered, because we're not used to doing that at all. Okay, now, as I said before, most of what you've written down isn't necessarily God speaking to you, it's just what was in your brain, and we all know that the stuff in our brains is not all from God. <laughs> Hello? Am I the only one who occasionally has thoughts that are not of God? I'm, okay, good. Wow. For just a second there, I thought I should not be teaching. Um, <laughs> okay, so we gave the Lord a chance to speak to us through our mind as, as best we could. Now we're going to give God a chance to speak to us specifically to our emotions and our will. Remember, 
We are mind, will, emotions, body, spirit. We're five things here, and God can speak to any one of those he wants at any time. We're used to listening only to our God with our brains and only for words, right? Mostly for information. We're, that's how we're used to listening. That's why we don't hear, right? So now we're going to listen with our emotions and with our will. So here's what you're going to do. Thinking caps are still off. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Thinking caps still off. You cannot analyze this. Or, or it doesn't work because we don't analyze with our emotions. That's why God gave us a brain, so that we could have something that rules over our emotions and our will, right? Okay, so what I want you to do is go back and read each question to yourself. Just read it to yourself, look at what you wrote, and I want you to circle anything that stands out to you for any reason. Do not think about it. If something jumps out at you emotionally to your will, if you feel like, yeah, that sort of stands out to me. I'm going to circle it. Maybe I'll circle that. Maybe I'll circle that too. Yep. Nope. Yep. Okay? If you're wondering whether or not you should circle it, circle it. Okay? If you see recurring, recurring themes, recurring people, circle that stuff. Okay? You're circling anything that strikes you as maybe being significant. Maybe. You're not circling stuff that God is for sure saying. So relax. Okay. Thinking caps off. Go through right now. Pray each one of these back to the Lord. Look at what you wrote. And anything that looks significant, circle. Okay? We'll give you a few minutes to go through all these things. And if you feel like you should write something else down, go ahead. Circle anything that seems significant. No thinking caps. still circling, that's fine. Um, next part, we get to put our thinking caps on. Yes. Okay. You get to put your thinking cap back on. And what I want you to do is I want you to write three or four sentences. Write a summary of what is on that paper that, a that answers the question, if God is speaking to me right now, if God is speaking to me right now, what might he be saying to me? If God is speaking to me right now, through what is on this paper, what might he be saying to me? Does that make sense? And I want you to write three or four sentences, start out as a summary of what's on the paper, and then go ahead and keep writing. Uh, point of fact, I have found, I have done this in nine different countries. I have done this all over this country. And this is the part where most people feel like God speaks to them. Just FYI. They start writing a summary. They start answering the question, if God is speaking to me right now, what is he saying? And they start writing, and they just keep writing and writing, and they go back and they say, okay, so. <laughs> there you go.
go ahead and keep writing if you're writing. Um, God actually gave me this exercise myself. This was not something I thought of because I'm smart. Um, I was in Latvia with this guy, and it was the first, the first trip we took together internationally. And I had just taught like three times in two days, and we had flown in a plane, and I was exhausted, still jet lagged. It was the last country we were in. And I get there, and they're like, hey, you want to teach at our Bible school? And I was like, sweet. That sounds awesome. Cool. Class is in 10 minutes. <laughs> I feel like your accent gets in the way of what you could not have just, what? And so my brain was just gone. My brain was melted. I was just so fatigued, so out of it. I'm like, God. I'm not even going to crack open my Bible and try to figure something out right now. I have nothing. So you have to get this one. You get to take this, okay? Just tell me what you want me to do. And he said nothing for 10 minutes. And all the kids came. Not, kid, <laughs> not kids. I mean, they're, you know, 20s, 30s. And they're, they're, they're sitting down at the tables looking expectantly at me. And I'm like, hello, God. <laughs> like, need your help. Um, and he said, why don't you ask them to ask me what to do? And I didn't know what he meant at first, so I said, just take out a piece of paper, take out a pen. And I started saying, ask God these questions and listen for the answers. And so I started with the forgive one, because in my experience, that's a question that God answers very readily. If, if we have any unforgiveness in our heart and we say, God, who do I need to forgive? If we take 30 seconds to listen, he almost always answers. Like, I've done this a lot. It's a fun parlor trick, kind of, to people who've never heard God's voice. I've never heard God speak to me. I don't think he does that anymore. I'm like, oh, really? Okay, try this. Humble yourself for just a second and try this. Bow your head and pray. Now, I want you to ask God if there's anyone you need to forgive. Take one minute and listen. They do that, and I said, did anybody come to your mind? Yeah. And God spoke to you. Ta-da. It's awesome. Okay, so I started with that one. I started with that one. Nice to start with a warm one. Um, and then God just kind of gave me the questions. Some of the ones are the ones I just gave you. And some of these I just made up now. Um, and so I did that, and I'm like, well, I guess we did that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm like, write a summary at the end. I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm like, okay, well, thanks. Hopefully maybe God spoke to you or, or something. See you later. Um, and, and, and I was... <laughs> I was kind of had a bad attitude, and I was like, God, you know, I guess thanks, but I gotta say that was lame. Like, because to me, it's like that's that where there was no teaching, there was no great revelation to me. The revelation was to them, because I was still confused as to what my job was as a teacher. In Greek, the word teacher means to cause them to learn. It doesn't mean to give them information. It doesn't mean to talk at them in a way that's really awesome. It means to do whatever you need to do to make them to learn. That's the goal of a teacher, is to make people learn. And that's what happened, and I didn't know it. And over the course of the next two days, we had a conference while we were there that was awesome. Um, over the course of the next two days, every single one of those students came up to me, sometimes with a translator, sometimes trying really hard to speak English. Every one of them came up and said, thank you so much for doing that. God has been speaking to me ever since that moment. He's opening up my heart and he's changing me. Or I've never heard the voice of God before and I just heard it. One after another, after another, after another. And I'm just like, really? Like, that was so simple. That was like nothing, right? 
Every single one came out to me. And I'm like, wow, God, maybe this is something. Maybe there's something to this. And this is not magic, what we just did. It's very simple. It's just asking God's questions and listening to him. It's like super simple. Ask God questions and listen to him. Um, it gets us used to trying to listen without a filter. It gets us used to trying to listen with our emotions and with our will and not just our brains. Um, eventually, if, if this is something you want to do, this really helps you learn how to define how to hear God's voice to you better. Okay? I encourage you to do it. And eventually, you might get to the place where you can start at the end. And you can say, God, if you're speaking to me right now, what might you be saying? And start writing and have God speak to you. Does that make sense? I'm getting some nods from people who do that, okay? Paul Anderson. <laughs> nice. That's cool. At least, well, that's pretty good. I'll take that. <laughs> so you, see, you notice most of these questions are about right now. Now, this week, this season of my life. They're now questions. Those are the questions God tends to want to answer. Now, how many people in the beginning part, the question part, felt like maybe God spoke to them? Maybe. You're not making a commitment. You're saying maybe. Maybe. There are some, there are some of these. If you can see my hand, okay, but I'm not raising it. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Now, how many people in the last part when you started writing felt like maybe God was speaking to you in that part? Okay. A few more hands. Okay. That's, that's kind of been my experience um, as well, um, is you open yourself up and you start to hear and then you put your thinking cap back on and then you start to write. And that's the hard part, allowing yourself to start to write, which is why the question is if. If you're speaking to me right now, what might you be saying? It lets you off the hook because we don't want to be wrong. We don't want to say, thus saith the Lord this, and then, oh, no, I've, I've, I'm going to be stoned, you know, because we still live in the old covenant, you know, which is crazy. Um, so say if to let yourself off the hook and to acknowledge in humility the fact that most of what's in here is probably not renewed by the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and then you just start writing. And I hate journaling. Hate it. Do not like it. Never have, right? Back in school when they used to make us journal in English class, I used to just write song lyrics. Because I didn't want to journal. I didn't like it. And I was a punk a little bit. And um, <laughs> my mom laughs. Um, 
So that's my mom. Um, not like spiritual mom. Okay, um, so <laughs> I have found that, that, that when I sit down and s just start writing, if God's speaking to me right now, what might he be saying? I usually start out, my, my things tend to start out fairly general, you know, basic scriptures that I know are obviously true, things like that. But just because something's in scripture and obviously do, doesn't mean it's not a rhema word for you right now. Like God saying, I accept you, I love you, I care for you like a father to a child. Well, that's basic Bible, so that can't be God. It's probably definitely God. Probably definitely. It's a new category in the, in the prophetic. Uh, Probably, definitely, saith the Lord, I love you, I guess. Um, so stuff like that, you can always take as being God because it is. It's, if it's in here and it's truth for you, then it's true. And it's probably the rhema word of God to you. So don't reject things that are common, that are easy, that are obviously true in Scripture. Because that's probably the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, I put it in here because of a reason. I want you to know it. I want you to live it. I want you to experience the fact that I accept you. The fact that I'm not disappointed in you. Because you can't earn my love anyway. So you haven't failed at earning my love because it's an impossible task. I love you already. That's a word for somebody too. Okay? All right. So now what do we do? I'm just going to take like five minutes on this. I, this could be a whole talk on how to test the word. Okay? So you have something, many of you, that you think might be God. Maybe. Probably, definitely, but maybe. Um, maybe God's speaking to you. So what do you do? The Bible says that we judge the word. We test the word. If you don't like the word judge, test would be a more, um, more specific term. So I have... <laughs> against my very nature, seven steps for judging and testing a word from God. Okay, seven steps for testing a word. I'm going to go through these fast. We'll get them on the screen so you can write them down. And if you have questions about it, we can talk about it another time. Okay, judge a tree by its fruit. Number one, you judge a tree by its fruit. Is this a word of God? The Bible says you judge a tree by its fruit, especially when it comes to the prophetic. Okay, so is, does, is this producing good fruit or is it producing bad fruit? Okay? Um, some Christians want to toss out all of the gifts of the Spirit just because a few prophetic words turn out to be false. And they say, that's bad fruit, therefore throw it all out. Which is really silly because we should throw everything out because we mess everything up all the time. Right? I mean, come on. If you get a $20 bill one time that's counterfeit, does that mean you're never going to use money again? You're going to become a fruitarian? I mean, come on. Let's not be silly. We're silly enough as it is. So you judge a tree by its fruit. You look at it and you say, is this producing good fruit or bad fruit? Okay? Sometimes that's more of a look back on it thing, which is why journaling is so great. Keep a prayer journal. I see a prayer journal here, and I love it. Keep a book where you say, I felt like God said this. Paul Anderson prayed for me, and he said this. Nate prayed for me, and he said this, and it's probably not true because he was really <laughs> hungry when he said it, and it has to do with pie. Um, <laughs> um, write stuff down. When you get words from God directly or from someone else, write them down. And then go back and look at it later. And you'll be amazed. God spoke to me. I know that's true now. 
I know that was God now. That prayer was answered. That person got healed. That job situation changed. That thing happened. You go, when you have a sense of history of what God has done for you, that's called testimony. Okay? There is power in that. We overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Americans are terrible at history. We don't write down even our own history, let alone bother reading anybody else's. And so if you don't write down and remember or, you know, record it on your phone, that's a great one. If someone's giving you a word, hang on, blip, 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 go. I do that. It's awesome. Um, and uh, if we don't do that, then it's going to be really hard to remember all the awesome things that God has done for our lives. And God, all the time, especially in the Old Testament, says, write down what I have done. Tell your children what I have done. Remember what I have done. Build a monument for what I did to you here so that you can remember it, especially in times when things aren't going that great. Okay? So if you can keep, get a prayer journal, buy a nice one with leather and one of the little hanging out things. That's a verse one or something. Or a nice animal. Invest 20 bucks. It's worth it. Okay? All right. Judge a tree by its fruit. Do a prayer journal. That's not one of the things, but that'd be a good thing. Okay. B, does it glorify Christ? Does it glorify Christ? The Holy Spirit will always glorify Christ. He can't not glorify Christ. He can't help it. All he is is a dude that loves Jesus, and he can't help it. Okay? Everything the Spirit says will glorify Christ somehow. Any word that is a genuine word from the Lord will lead to a cool testimony about what Jesus has done for you. Does that make sense? Even if it's just, Jesus said he loves me and that's awesome. Great. That's a great testimony about what Jesus did for you. That brings glory to Christ. That's probably a real word. Okay? Does it bring glory to Christ? If it doesn't bring glory to Jesus, or if it brings glory to someone else more than Jesus, suspect. Red flag. Okay? Are you with me? If it somehow takes glory from Jesus or brings no glory to Jesus at all, then... Three, does it agree with the Bible? This is the most obvious one and the most accessible one for a lot of people. Does it agree with the Bible? Again, like we said, the Holy Spirit isn't going to say something now that's contrary to what he said here because he remembers what he wrote because he's really smart, right? So if it goes against this, chuck it, period. Now, a little bit of caution here. I'm saying if it goes against this, not if it goes against your theological stand or your favorite end times beliefs or what you think about political parties or any of that kind of stuff. Are you with me? Those are some of those filter things that we all have in our brains. We all have tons of them. Okay? Some of those filters are idols, but that's another talk. Um, for real. Um, does it go against this? If so, chuck it. Now, just because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean it's not God speaking. Guitars aren't in here, right? It's not able to play a guitar. That's totally fine, right? String instruments are lutes are. I think it'd be funny to get a lute and a hat with a feather. Um, so, does it agree with, with the Bible? And especially when we're first starting to learn how to hear the, Lord of, hear the Word of God, when we're first getting into this stuff, it helps to bring it to one another and ask. Just like, I got this thing, I don't know if it's God's word, what do you think? And we can test it together as a community. Wouldn't that be awesome? Maybe that's part of what the body of Christ was for originally. It was. We're meant to walk with each other. We're meant to help each other. And so if you get a word, bring it to the group. And say, hey, I, I got this word. What do you think? It, does this contradict the Bible or not? I don't know the Bible well enough yet. So I need your help. 
Everybody with me? So bring it to one another. That is a really helpful thing. It's not one of the things, but it should be. All right. <laughs> Does it agree with the Bible? Um, now, there are some things in the Bible that don't agree with the Bible. So be careful. Like Abraham putting Isaac on the altar. Jesus is pretty against sacrificing children. Right? That was a very specific thing that God was doing. It was before this existed. And it was a very specific thing for a specific time. And God's not going to ask you to put a kid on the altar or to do anything insane like that. One of the reasons we bring it to each other is to keep each other from being freaking nuts on occasion. <laughs> Everybody can be crazy sometimes. And you have a bigger potential to be crazy if you're really emotionally invested in something. If you're really emotionally invested in something, the chances of you hearing clearly from God are diminished. Because your emotional filter is like, Aah! and it's hard to hear what anyone else is saying. When you're like, but I love her. God, should I marry her? I love her. It's hard to hear anything else because your emotions are so loud. And that's, that's where one another becomes a helpful thing, right? Because we, yeah, it's just, it's really hard to hear in those, or if we're really angry. It, ooh, anger is a big one. If you have anger in your heart right now, it's almost impossible to hear God say anything. Because Jesus is peace. And so you need to let that down and practice peace for a minute before you pray. Okay? Everybody with me? I'm not saying God can't speak to you when you're in love. I'm not saying God can't speak to you when you're in the middle of eating the best pizza you've ever had and you're just so engrossed in it. But I'm just saying it's tougher because those distractions are loud. Okay? And I'm hungry. Okay. <laughs> That's the pizza. The Lord keeps speaking to me about food. I... It could be my filter's messed up in my body because it's going... It's not groanings too deep for words. It's an empty stomach crunching on itself. Okay. I need to stop fasting. It's just a waste of time. I'm just kidding. Sometimes I say things. Okay. Next, just, next one. Does it produce freedom or bondage? This is huge. Does it produce freedom or bondage? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Spirit will not tell you something that brings you into legalism. It will not tell you something that brings you into bondage of any kind, any slavery, any legalism, any you must do this or else, none of that. If someone gives you a prophetic word and says, you've got to do this, chuck it. Okay? Now, I say chuck it, but it could be that that person is just really immature in the prophetic. And they're just sensing it strongly. And so they end it with, you gotta do this. And they, they're, they're just immature. Okay, we're all learning. So it could be that there's something genuine in there and they tacked on, remember I used this example before, they tacked on that legalistic thing at the end. It could be an immaturity thing, it could be that they struggle with legalism, so everything they hear from God must be legalistic because God's always pissed at them. Okay, which is not true. But people have that filter that filter is called a stronghold. Fortress over their mind that keeps God from getting in. That's what we are supposed to break in other people's minds or in our own. Um, but the Holy Spirit will not speak a word of bondage. Okay? Everybody with me? He will not speak a word of bondage, period. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if a teacher, leader, type, tells you something that draws honor or loyalty away from God and to themselves more than Jesus or 
brings you into some area that, that just seems bondagey, then, then don't listen to that person anymore. <laughs> okay? I know a lot of well-meaning Christians who've ended up in cults because they love Jesus so much. And they love Jesus so much that they were willing to listen to a strong leader who said, you got to do this, you got to do that. This is the way to go. And they're like, okay, well, I really want to serve the Lord, so I'll do that. But those were words of bondage and legalism, and it led to a place of death. And that's not the spirit of God. The spirit of God is life and freedom. Amen? Amen. So, does it produce freedom or bondage? Big one. Uh, next one. Does it seem right to the Holy Spirit within you? Does it seem right to the Holy Spirit within you? Do you have a sense that, hey, I think this might be true. I feel a connection. Um, last night, a couple people were up here giving words, and Paul said, does anyone feel like that hits them? And just about everybody was like, yes. That was the Holy Spirit in all of us saying, I think that was God saying that. I, I'm receiving that. I, I think that was right. Okay? So that's the Holy Spirit within you. This one is tough to judge because it's so, like, wishy-washy, right? But that's the way God is, so get used to it. Um, does it seem right to the Holy Spirit within you? This comes and grows the more time you spend with God. Like a sheep learning how to hear the voice of their shepherd. They just sit there, they don't talk, they don't do anything. The more time we spend with God, especially without doing anything, a few minutes a day, a few times a day, if we can manage it, the more we spend time with our shepherd, the better we're going to hear his voice. And the better we're going to sense the Holy Spirit saying things to us and confirming them. Are you with me? Um, sometimes the Holy Spirit will confirm things that don't make sense to your brain. I remember the first time I heard Graham Cook speak. We had him in um, to talk at Master's Institute at the Lutheran Renewal Conference thing. And I heard Graham Cook talk, and he talked for like an hour, and I was like, my head hurts from what you're saying to me right now. I don't know if it's true. I kind of don't like it. And then he kept going with this other thing, and I'm just like, I'm sure I look just like this. Because I'm like, I don't, know, I don't know if that is in here for sure, and I don't know if that jives with my understanding of what you're talking about. He was blowing my mind, okay? Now, when your mind gets blown in a good way, <laughs> that's great. Now, there's some fallout. It takes a little while for God to build it back up, but it can be a really good thing, and that's what was happening. It was a good thing. See, my mind didn't get what was going on, what he was writing on the board and what he was talking about, but the Holy Spirit within me was going, yes! It was the weirdest thing. I had never experienced that up until that point, where my mind is like, and the spirit is like, yeah, he's so right on. you got to listen to this. This is totally true for you. Study this. Figure it out. Figure out why your mind doesn't agree. Pursue it. And I did. And I was like, eh, I was thinking wrong. I had a filter that I needed to get out, get out of my head. Okay? And so sometimes the Holy Spirit will, will disagree with our mind. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's something we should throw out. It means it's something we should probably bring to our friends and say, so there's this thing I don't know about. Everybody with me? Thank you for being with me. Oh, very cute. Okay, next one. Does the word prove to be correct? This, this should be obvious, right? Looking back on it in your prayer journal, which you now have and keep because it's awesome, um, look back and say, did this word prove to be true? And if it did not, and you really thought it was God, then guess what you get to do? Ask God, what's up with that? I really thought this was you. Now it looks like it didn't happen. What's up with that? Explain this to me. Tell me. I want to understand. I want to hear you more. If it does prove true, 
and you thought it would prove true, then thank God, acknowledge the word, praise him, and then do it. When God tells you to do something, he expects you to do it. That's this piece here. If he gives you one of these, as boss to worker, as lord to servant, then you get to obey right away. And he doesn't like uh, timidity or procrastination or any of that. Um, but some of the things, obviously, most of the things he's going to say to you is going to be personal. Um, and so when that happens, if that proves to be correct, praise him. Thank him. Tell him to tell you more. Tell him to tell you what it means. Tell him to expand it even more. Build the word within you. Okay? If you look back and something proved to be true and you did not think it was true, then you get to bring that to God and say, okay, I did not think this was right, but it is. Show me why I heard wrong. Show me where the disconnect was. Okay? Notice in all of this, we're bringing it back to God. We're bringing it into our relationship with God because that's what it's all about. Amen? Okay. Um, just, you know, an obvious ending. Not all words are from God. Right? A lot of words are from people. A lot of words are from other sources. Uh, Hopefully, this is not applicable to anyone, but other sources of spiritual information are not acceptable. Ouija boards, crystal balls, tea, tea leaves, tarot cards, horoscopes, any of that kind of stuff. That's not, that's not okay, period. It's not like, oh, this is harmless. Oh, this doesn't hurt anyone. No, it's consulting the spirit world outside of the Holy Spirit. When the king of Israel, Saul, did that, he lost his throne kind of a big deal, okay? So if at some point you have done any of that stuff, seances, any non-Christian you know Christian religious worship or, or festivals or witchcraft or any of that kind of stuff, even psychics and fortune tellers and reading a horoscope and, oh, that stuff's simple, that stuff's nothing. No, it can be something. It's not okay to consult anything but the Holy Spirit for information or for speaking in the spiritual realm. So if you've done something like that, just pray it through. Okay, come to one of us for prayer. Okay, so that God can get rid of it. There's, there's no condemnation, but you do need to receive prayer to get rid of that. Because by doing that, you opened up a door to someone you do not want to open up a door to. Okay, I'm not trying to scare you, but it's serious at the same time. Okay, everybody with me? So if that's you and you've never received prayer for that, you do need to receive prayer for that. Tonight or sometime soon. Are you with me? Any questions on that or anything else? I'm done. So, any questions? Yeah. Uh, really? Oh, not all words are from God, I guess, was the seventh one. Yeah, I, it, the seventh one should be um, something about bringing it to the community. But um, not all words are from God is fine. Not a question. It's actually seven steps, so it doesn't have to be a question. Yeah, Robin. Example. Well, I'm, I've been primarily talking about words, so something that you hear or something that someone else says. 
um, a whole theology requires more in-depth testing because there's so much more going on there. You know what I mean? So you're right. It's not as simple as a yes or no at all. And I agree with you, by the way. <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of good intention there, and I think there's a lot of good stuff in there, but I think that ultimately it falls because of what the Bible says about that stuff. But anyway, most people here are going, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so yeah, when it comes to big stuff like that, like full-on the theological beliefs, um, it, it takes even more, even more testing and studying. But all the same stuff is still true. And especially when we're new in this kind of stuff and we're just figuring out and just learning, it's so important to bring it to the community and to bring it to your leaders, to bring it to people you trust. Um, because we make mistakes, right? Everybody does. Everybody hears wrong. Everybody screws up. Everybody makes mistakes. When we're just learning how to do something, we fall on our face. Like we said last night, when a little kid is learning, learning how to walk, they fall on their face, they run right into a door, or they run right into a countertop, or they do that kind of stuff all the time. And God, as our Heavenly Father, doesn't get mad and yell at that child, right? So it's okay. It's okay to fall on your face. We get back up and we keep trying, but we bring it to each other. We bring it to the Lord, and we can help each other figure that out. That's really important when we're first getting into something, right? Because we don't know. And especially if you're talking about a new Christian, okay, they don't know this book, probably, very well. And so the question of does it contradict the Bible, they might be like, well, I don't know. I mean, is worshiping goats okay? I, I, I haven't read enough of this book to know if, if I should do that or not. I mean, that's a stupid example. Um, and so that's what we're here for. That's what discipleship is about, that we help people do that. I feel like Paul wants to say something. I'm not going to come right out and say, but, but, but <laughs> probably definitely. That's what's so huge. We have to give him opportunity to speak. We have to take time to listen. We have to take time in his presence. We expect God to just invade our world and speak a word to us. You know, and that's not how God does almost anything. You know, very few things in the Bible does God show up and just bowl in a china shop all over the place. And the Holy Spirit! 
check me out. You know, that's not, that's just not how he works. We have to humble ourselves and listen and 